This reminds me of my first experience in radio. It was back in the early 80s. People with disability and mental health. There's always controversy with us. The mysteries of the mind and consciousness. And we might get to the bottom of something or we might start something new. We're going to run the gamut and we're going to have a good time. Waking Braves. No, not Waking Braves. We're Breaking Waves. Breaking Waves? Breaking Waves. Breaking Waves. Hello, everybody. You're tuned in to Eastside Radio 89.7. I'm Elliot Wallace, and I'm here to take you through for the next half an hour. It's going to be the Breaking Wave show, and if you are a regular listener of Breaking Waves, then you know that my voice is not one of the usual voices. No, the usual triad of circling presenters of Shane Jeff... Uh, John and Riley, Margot and Jamie, Alex, Seth and Ollie uh, are away there enjoying their Christmas breaks. So I have agreed to step in and take you through the next couple of shows. And what can you expect, I hear you ask? Well, it's just going to be me. I want you to get to know me. Um, And... Well, the Breaking Wave show is a show that celebrates uh, diversity, neurological and physical. And, well, I fall into the the latter category. You see, I am profoundly deaf. And today's show is going to be me sharing my, my deafness story with you. And if you liked today's show, or if you do like today's show, you can head on over to eastsidefm.org. Navigate yourself to the featured content pane and you can read an article all about everything I'm about to say. It's called I'm Not Disabled. That's just what it says on my records. I'm going to take you through it now. Dreams have sound. Thoughts are tangible. And silence is noisy. Properly noisy. When I'm lying in bed at night, looking into the darkness, and there is a sudden flash, crash or movement, I can hear it. But not the sound, rather my brain and inner workings reaction to it. Similarly, and don't think I'm crazy for this, I can feel the sound at night. I have tried so many times to describe and explain the sounds and feeling that silence comprises, but every time I fail. It is incomprehensible to any typical hearing person, but to me, it is normal. I forget that I'm deaf for all but five minutes a day, two minutes in the morning putting on my processes as I enter the normal world, Again, probably a total of one minute in the day where a magnet falls off and I momentarily plunge into a separate world. And finally, for another two minutes at night when I unplug and re-enter the world of brain noises. My world is so normal on many fronts, but on others, I am so far outside the realms of normality. And today's show is me taking you through some of my deafness tale. I have bilateral profound hearing loss and access 
sound through cochlear implants, following a bout of meningococcal meningitis as a baby. If you ask my family and friends to describe me, they'd probably say I'm a sarcastic pain in the backside. Under the satirical and IDGAF facade, I'm an emotive guy. My parents are my best friends, and a perfect Sunday comprises of a Formula One Grand Prix, lunch with my grandparents, and a table dinner with my mum, dad and sister. Meningococcal disease refers to any illness caused by bacteria, called Neisseria meningitidis. These illnesses are often severe, can be deadly, and include infections of the lining of the brain and spinal cord, meningitis, and bloodstream. At eight months of age, I contracted meningococcal meningitis and lost my hearing as a result. Now, hearing loss is one of the far lesser potential outcomes of this disease. It could very easily swung to a scenario where my parents were burying their firstborn child, but luckily it didn't. In late 2003, not even one year old, my mum and dad's parental instincts were kicked into overdrive as I became particularly unwell. This prompted hospital visits for checkups, tests, and repeated attempted diagnoses. After two prior hospital visits in which doctors noted meningitis as only a secondary consideration, it was a case of third time lucky, or not so lucky depending on your view, for baby me. Following lumbar punctures and blood tests, a definitive diagnosis was given to my fear-stricken parents, meningococcal meningitis B. Following the diagnosis, between the 3rd and the 10th of December 2003, I was an inpatient in Ward 17 of York District Hospital. With my mum by my side, recovery from the initial treatments was swift and promising, returning home with what seemed to be a 1,000-page leaflet on meningitis. My parents were warned that deafness is something that can be caused by this cruel disease. However, how was anyone supposed to know if baby Elliot could hear them, was ignoring everyone, or was distracted by a passing butterfly? Reading through my mum's detailed log of events, appointments and treatments, the following months were littered with hearing assessments, sedation tests, hearing aid moulding and audiologist examinations. Following an apparent lack of progress with conventional hearing aids, a referral to Bradford Cochlear Implant Centre was made. The, te the technology of cochlear implants was fairly unknown back in 2004, and such plentiful consultations were needed. The constant back and forth between York Children Development Clinic and the Cochlear Implant Centre surely had my parents knackered and sick of the motorway. It was during this time I was diagnosed with bilateral profound deafness. The general premise of a cochlear implant follows a small incision into the skull behind the ear, removing tissue and skin. The implant, which looks kind of like a 
a fat, chunky sperm <laughs> is inserted into the patient's head and the all-important electrode array is inserted into the inner ear. Thankfully, this is operated under general anaesthetic. Even at 20, I would not want to be at all semi-conscious during this. When faced with the prospect of me having cochlear implants, my parents, thankfully, took the opportunity. As with many operations, there are no guarantees of overwhelming success. But it certainly bettered my chances of leading the lifestyle that my family wished for me. I may have never walked or talked otherwise. This operation was on the right side of my head. My mum took me, her baby, into the operating theatre and said goodbye to me as the anaesthetic took my consciousness. From here, at this moment of time, you can head on over to eSightFM.org and you can read a detailed log of the first 90 days after my operation. I'm not going to read it during this show, just to save some time, as it is only a half an hour show. But I really recommend finding the article. It's called, I'm Not Disabled, That's Just What It Says on My Records. And with that, we will take the opportunity for a brief musical interlude. I've chosen a few songs that I feel are fitting for this show. The first, I Want to Break Free by Queen and David Bowie. It's a classic. We all know and love it. Join in, sing along at home. I want to break free Fallen in 
a song that really encompasses um, positive movement within society. Oh, look at me with my big words. Hey, <laughs> hey. Uh, no, it's a really good song. It it encapsulates everything that um, these breaking wave shows are all about. Now I'm going to return back to um, back to my deafness tale, where we left it just before the musical. Uh, interlude I was talking about my right hand side operation and we now look at the days the weeks and the months that followed amongst my first memories are a very random selection from telling my younger brother not to play with my favorite stick to my uncle Neil convincing me that Jesus wore socks in the bath or insisting that my parents buy me a new Hot Wheels car upon every trip to Tesco. I felt just like any normal child. All I was interested in was digging for potatoes with my great granddad John, playing with toys and looking forward to my next petit filou. When studying English language at A-level, part of my curriculum was regarding the critical period for language development. During this time it was particularly interesting uh, a particularly interesting topic for me, knowing the amazing work that my mum and speech therapist did with teaching me to communicate. On this, um, I actually grabbed a quote from my, my father, my dad. He says, I think a lot of Elliot's speech is thanks to his mother. She didn't go back to work for many years and spent a lot of time paying attention to Elliot and following the Cochlear Implant Centre's guidance. Even with cochlear implants, there was a high probability that he wouldn't have learnt to speak. We were lucky that she could spend this time with him. Following this initial operation recovery period, I continued to learn, talk and develop with family and peers in playgroups and with interactive toys. A real dilemma came, though, at the dawn of primary school. My parents queried whether mainstream or special needs education was the best fit for me. The ending consensus was that I would enrol to mainstream comprehensive primary school and my, pro and my progress from there would be monitored. It was during this year I had the opportunity to have a second cochlear implant put in. I was in the hospital for this operation between the 10th and the 11th of July 2008. I was five years old. And again, my dad offered a quote on this one too. The NHS offered a second cochlear implant for the left side and we accepted. For me, this was the hardest one. Only one parent could go down to the operating theatre and Elliot's mum went into the first one. I went this time. I held his hand as he was anaesthetised. We then had to go and wait while the operation took place. After a couple of hours, Elliot was back on a ward and recovering. That night, I met my mum and sister to watch Meatloaf sing at Castle Howard. I couldn't stop crying when Meatloaf took to the stage. The juxtaposition of the day's events was overwhelming. My first definitive memory on this journey is waking up on a dingy hospital ward, looking at a red drawing pin stuck in my hand 
and touching my head, then expressing annoyance to my mum that the bandage on my head was too tight. I also remember how depressing the food was that night. But then again, I've always been a fussy eater. I now had dual hearing, and it was bloody weird. <laughs> the concepts of sound location that I had learnt now had to be relearnt. The pitch in which I heard was slightly different, and my confidence took a momentary dip. I've always been a clumsy child, with feet that I've only just grown into. Following my second implant, this clumsiness was more prominent than ever. Only two months later, my sister Bethany was born. In an almost oxymoron of emotions, I would remove my, well I called them ears, their processors. I would remove my processors when baby Bethany would scream and cry, but then put them back on to play with cars or play bin men with my brother Harry. Unfortunately, the following months were overshadowed by a great loss and heartbreak as my younger brother Harry, Harry sadly passed away after a very short illness. The pain of this rippled through my family and some awfully vivid memories are prevalent to this day. I realised how hard parenthood had been for my mum and dad thus far. After the dust settled, I was just like any ordinary child. I did not let a disability, in quotation marks, hold me back. My deafness boasts more opportunities than it does holdbacks. I can take them off and have a completely peaceful night's sleep. I can take them off should someone irritate me. And I raise approving eyebrows when my CV is read. I've always been a huge motorsport fan. It's somewhat it's a somewhat family heirloom, passed from my granddad John to my dad and finally to me. I can talk to you for hours about Formula One, Top Gear or touring cars. There is a charity called Lollipop in York and it offers events for hard of hearing children. And one year they held a go-karting event. And as you can expect, I was uber competitive, convinced I would win and lap everybody twice. Well, I did not. I lost. I came second. And I was there, standing on this podium, begrudgingly holding a number two sign with my fingers. I can't remember which way round it was, but anyway. I was apoplectic in anger. How could I come second? It just wasn't feasible in my egotistical mind. I think that was the last lollipop event I went to. I've always been a sore loser, and I always will be. But we now fast forward a few years into secondary school. I was given an opportunity by my science teachers to present a demonstration and talk to a lecture hall of students, teachers, professors and astronaut Tim Peake. This experience was probably the catalyst that prompted me to start exploring radio and media, and subsequently ending me up here talking to you on today's Breaking Waves programme. Now I realise that I've skipped through almost my entire sec uh, secondary education from 11 to 18, but 
there isn't really much to say. I was fairly ordinary, I was a bit of a nerd, I was stubborn, but I was very satirical and jokey. I had a small but close circle of friends, and I would always speak my mind. Nothing here has ever changed. What we're going to do now is we're going to break off our story time with Elliot. There, uh, We're going to listen to another song. It's one of my personal favourites, and it featured on this year's, well, my Spotify rap this year. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this to finish up this story time with, uh, with your favourite daft boy, Elliot.
we return after one of my favourite songs in the entire world. It, that was Life is a Highway by the Rascal Flats, and you probably know it from the Cars, the Disney Pixar franchise. We return briefly to my deafness tale as we finish up today's Breaking Waves episode. Upon starting my geography degree at Durham University, I enrolled on Purple Radio, just for fun more than anything. I presented three shows over the two years there, the Purple Radio Breakfast Show, the Elliot Wallace Hour, and Breakfast with Elliot. I am now an intern here at Eastside FM, where I produce a show, write online content, aid in pre-recording, and present my Quantum of Wallace show every Thursday night, with very dry wit and humour. Subtle plug there, every Thursday night from 12.30am until 2am in uh, early Friday morning, you can listen to the Quantum of Wallace show, hear more of me, you can catch that on demand as well. Broadcasting live on the wireless, as the oldies would call it, is an art. I fell in love with this area of the art world due to having a platform to talk, vent, play my music, share opinions and feel listened to. In a way, the radio is my diary. Of course, presenting comes with an array of external influences. This only adds to the beauty of it all. Managing and adapting to a different scene each show. My friends grew up with parents who forced them to listen to The Beatles, Michael Jackson and Elvis. I grew up listening to Guns N' Roses, 90s Dance and BBC Radio 1. And this shines through in my music taste. It ranges from the most current pop sensations to the rock and rollers of the 1980s and the head-bopping trance anthems of Hacienda. With such a diverse taste in music, the radio shrieked my name like a lady of the night calling for clients across the club. Mixed with my natural chattiness, what could possibly go wrong? And now, the irony is not lost on me. A deaf guy, presenting radio. However, I feel this is the perfect advert for cochlear implants. With the right support and loving environment, deafness should not hold any individual back. Scrap that. No disability should hold any individual back. You've been listening to Breaking Waves. My name is Elliot Wallace. You can get in touch with me on Instagram at Elliot underscore radio. You can call the station if you love me, if you hate me. That's 9331 uh, you can email us at eside at esidefm.org. We want your feedback. We always do. We love talking to you. Coming up next here on Eastside Radio is Planet Romanistan. Don't go anywhere. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. You're listening to People Powered Radio, proudly supported by the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The Community Broadcasting Foundation resources community-owned and operated media stations just like this one that connect people and tell vital local stories so that we all enjoy a more vibrant, inclusive Australian culture and healthy democracy. Find out more about our work at cbf.com.au.